Ladies and gentlemen, sports fans alike, welcome to another edition of Bill Swirsky's Sports Talk Chicago. One of the couple, two, three best podcasts around. So sit back, grab yourself a cold one and a pole of sausage, park your keister in the front room, and listen to Bill Swirsky's Sports Talk Chicago. In Chicago, you know that all sports rock. The Bears, Hawks, Bulls, Cubs, and Sox. Pick your favorite, you can choose as long as the... Packers lose for everything you need to know. It's Bill Swarski Sports Talk Chicago. Bill Swarski Sports Talk Chicago. Hey everybody, welcome to another edition of Bill Swarski Sports Talk Chicago. This is your hosts, Alex and Sean. On this episode, we're gonna be talking about all the NFL draft goodness. Uh, a little baseball here and there, but first I'd like to thank our sponsor, the Rockford Ice Hogs. If you're not familiar with the Rockford Ice Hogs, they're the AHL minor league affiliate of the Chicago Blackhawks. What does that mean for you? You get to see the stars of tomorrow today at family-friendly, affordable prices. So head on over to icehogs.com, get yourself a hat, shirt, jersey, tickets, or more. Tell them Swirsky Sports sent you. Alex, how are you doing uh, You know, after all of the NFL draft shenanigans are done and over with? Well, you know, I think that it was a fun experience following this draft. There was a lot of good drama that happened, a lot of interesting trades that we saw. You know, it's kind of that humble reminder that the NFL draft is the best draft of them all. Uh, So I really had fun following it. And, you know, I, I look at what the Bears did, just looking at it as a whole. And I find myself saying, all right, I like some things here and there. And there are some other things where I'm going to kind of just let the process play out. Honestly, like I can't say I'm coming out of this draft from just a bears perspective thinking, Oh my God, this is the greatest. This is the best, but I'm also not coming out like as a Debbie downer either. Like, Oh, we screwed it up. Everything's bad. Uh, So there's going to be a lot of process playing out. uh, That's going to be had here because, you know, I, I think that some of these guys they take, You know, we're just going to have to see how they perform at an NFL level because, you know, they're not exactly household names. While some of them, you look at what they can do and what you do know about them. You're like, okay, I can see how this will fit in. But, you know, we said this before. This is a very, very, very important draft for the Bears, and they need to have more hits and misses on this. So you're kind of just right now hoping for the best and see how this all fits in. Yeah, I want to preface this by saying it doesn't matter what we think right now. It doesn't matter what the talking heads and the beat writers of the sports talk show talk hosts have to say. It matters when they put pads on and they're playing games. That's what matters. And that's where we're going to be able to truly judge the results. We can talk about, you know, our thoughts at this point, but. Um, they're really more of a, just a perspective on, on, you know, we're starting to see a trend and a pattern of players that Ryan Poles likes. Mm-hmm. It's very clear. Um, so without further ado, I'd like to go through the bears draft class. Yeah. Um, so first and foremost, the the draft played out kind of wild you know i was a uh, um 
you know, there was a lot of movement that I was not expecting to happen. Um, there was a lot of draft trade up, uh, the, the Houston Texans, you know, clearly, clearly ownership and the GM head coach did not agree on who to pick. So they were like, well, why not both? And they gave up a ton to move back up and get both players that they coveted. Yeah. I mean, when they traded up, as soon as they got CJ Stroud and they traded up, we all had Will Anderson on our minds, right? Yeah. Um, I, I mean, that's who, that's who we thought that they would probably draft in that spot. I was a little surprised when they made the announcement with CJ Stroud. Um, but, you know, we talked about the, the pre-draft process and Ryan Poles and his team, they spend a lot of time obviously scouting these players and interviewing the players and getting all the information. And then they, they put the rank, everybody in their positional orders. And then they put their big board together, <clears throat> excuse me. Um, and then uh, from there, they've got their big board. They, as a group, work on mock drafts because they don't want to get caught off guard. And I'm going to tell you why that's important. Is So they're, they're really prepping to make sure that no matter what happens in this draft, they, they feel like they know what to do next. And um, after the draft, Ryan Poles said something about how scary accurate the their first round draft was as a mock and that's that's good preparation now the reason that's important is the detroit lions with their very first pick totally were i guarantee i will put any amount of money on that they were expecting devon witherspoon to be there and that was going to be their pick and I mean, I mean, quarterback was an area of need. Yeah. I mean, they shorted up in with free agency, but I think they were looking for somebody that they looked at to build around and not just be a stopgap. Right. And I think Witherspoon was their guy. And I don't think anybody was really projecting him to be taken by Seattle uh, with the pick before them. So when they came, they came up, I think they just were caught off guard and didn't know what to do and just sort of made a trade because to regroup, I I honestly, honestly think that they were not prepared for that to happen. And, um, and, and ultimately I think Detroit had a very good draft, but for a team that had two first rounders, I don't think that first round was very good. You drafted, uh, two positions where you just paid people good money in free agency. So you just drafted redundancies. It Very, was, it was weird. It was definitely weird. Yeah. But I think that's why it was so important. <clears throat> and so in this draft with the first pick that they had, uh, the bears took Darnell Wright, and they, <clears throat> they were on the clock at nine and they traded one spot back, picking up an extra fourth rounder next year. Uh, to move back that one. And I think that was 
was that fair compensation? No, but I don't think the Bears were the one that's that uh, were the recipients of, you know, I don't think the the Eagles were the ones pushing that draw or that trade forward. I think that was the Bears saying, hey, do you want to come up and get your guy? And got, you know, just a little bit of a sweetener, um, not a full equal, you know, draft equivalent. And I think that those the Bears saying, hey, we don't want to have to make that decision on Jalen Carter. We want him off the board, but we don't want to go so far back that we lose out on our guy. And the Bears took Darnell Wright, the tackle from Tennessee. Yeah, and I think we do have to talk about that because there was obviously a lot of controversy over whether or not that was a good move by the Bears. I mean, listen, the Bears could have either gotten their guy in Darnell Wright or they could have gotten their guy and gotten something a little extra. And like you said, it probably wasn't the fairest of compensation, but at least they got their guy and something a little bit extra. But the Jalen Carter thing, it it's spoken clear as day to all of us. The Bears did not want him. They, they didn't want him. They didn't want to bring on a guy whose ceiling is very high, but has a lot of red flags and baggage. And I think that there's something to be said about the two states of the two teams, the Eagles and the Bears. The Eagles can afford to take this chance. They're in the middle of a contending window. They have everything built up. Either he plays great for them and makes a Super Bowl caliber team even better, or he busts out and the problems come and they just lose some money and a first round pick, but they're still really, really good. The Bears are trying to completely rebuild here around Justin Fields. They're trying to build a culture. They're trying to build a team. And if you take on a big risk like Jalen Carter, then it could pay off great. Or if it doesn't pay off, the repercussions are much, much, much worse for a team in the Bears position. Yeah, I'm glad you brought up that point because we I want to talk about where where the Eagles are versus where the Bears are. First of all, the Eagles have a locker room full of veterans. Mm-hmm. And not just veterans, but very loud, vocal, strong veterans. And you're not going to come into that house and disrupt it as a rookie. You're just no. not going to do it. Not going to do it. Yep. The guys are not going to take that seriously. They're not going to. Right. And they will put you in your place. Yep. Also, Jalen Carter's best friend in the world will be lined up next to him. And that is another contributing factor. Also, like you said, the Eagle, Howie Roseman and the Eagles are in a much different place than the Bears. I think the gap is closing somewhat. I would say, I would say other than, you know, if you didn't factor in how good of a draft the Eagles had, I think the draft or the, the gap would have closed a lot, but I think the gap is closing. Um, but it's a much different place and the bears are still trying to build the culture in their house. And you can't Jalen Carter can step in there and disrupt that culture in with the bears because it's still in the formidable process. Yes. Um, also Howie Roseman is 
absolutely established in that organization in his role and they uh he can take a hit if this is a flop if jalen carter is a flop the eagles will still be the the team to beat in the nfc even Uh if jalen carter is is the worst defensive tackle that's ever stepped foot on the field the eagles will still be the the team to beat and and it won't be a blemish on how uh Howie Roseman's record, not even a little bit. All it can be is a either a goddamn he did it again, or pff, who cares? The Eagles were great. Ryan Poles, this is his first first round pick of his career. You yep. got to hit on it. Yeah. And Jalen Carter is, if you look at everybody else, not only did Ryan Poles you know, make it known that this is the type of, of, uh, player he's looking for. It's not just, it's the physical and the character of this. He is really building guys that fit in that hits principle. And, you know, I think acronyms are dumb, but that is the philosophy that they're building in this house. And if, if everybody buys into it, you're going to have something good. And Jalen Carter is when he wants to play is a very good player, but I watched a lot of film on him and there's a lot of times I don't think he cares about playing and it's very clear. And I, and listen, there's a lot of reasons that it could have happened, but the fact that he put on so much weight between the pro day and just a couple of weeks later at mm-hmm. his or from the combine to his pro day, just a couple of weeks, the amount of weight he put on and the lackluster effort, even if he didn't want to be there, the effort he put forward, that's not hits principle. No. Uh, and that being out of shape, not hits principle. And I think, I think Ryan poles and the Fluce sat down and said, listen, this guy could be, if he's if he's the guy that we think he is, he could be the one that drives this to be a great defense. Mm-hmm. But I don't want to. I don't want to spend eighty percent of my efforts on this one guy when I have a whole team of people to build and and make better. And he fell too. I mean, don't forget this. It wasn't too long ago when people were talking about him being one of the very top picks in this draft. Now. Look, obviously the teams that wanted quarterbacks took quarterbacks, the Colts, the Texans, the Panthers, but listen, the Cardinals didn't take him. The Raiders didn't take him. The Falcons didn't take him. The Seahawks didn't take him. He kept falling. The Lions could have taken him. Lions could have taken him. They traded down. Yeah. Everybody, everybody talked about how there was no way Jalen Carter would be on the board because Pete Carroll could handle him and he would be an absolute fit in that defense and you're not going to disrupt Pete Carroll's culture. And I believe that I think that he would not have disrupted because Pete Carroll is a very strong coach. He has got a culture in that building from all of his years being there and he can bring in a slew of former players to come in there and, and, you know, teach that guy culture about the culture of, of the Pete Carroll way he's a player that they could use and they passed on him. 
Same mm-hmm. thing with the Lions. The Lions, they're like the, the little bit ahead of the Bears, but they're in a position of they're still building their culture. Dan Campbell's no nonsense. There's no way he would let Jalen Carter be out of shape. No. Um, and be overweight and dick around. And the Lions could could have made that defense really formidable. And they decided to pass on him. Mm-hmm. The Falcons passed on him. And, you know, you had all these teams pass on. There was a handful of teams, I think, that could have made that work. And the Eagles were just right there. <clears throat> and I think the Bears did a smart thing. They said, hey, we know you want this guy. And I, kn- I guarantee that was Ian Cunningham going to his former team and saying, listen, we're going to trade up with you to guarantee you get the guy you want. And we trade back just far enough for one, that player to be gone. So we have less explanation and we get a little sweetener for next year. Mm -hmm. And it was a win-win for both teams. Yeah. And the bears, Ryan Poles didn't say much about it. He said character matters. And if you look, he chose players with character. Darnell Wright on the field is a nasty, nasty man. He's big, he's strong, and he's played both the left side, left tackle, right tackle, and he's played guard. He can play four positions on that offensive line. So he's got that versatility they look for. He is mean and nasty. <clears throat> he went up against, you know, all a lot of the best edge rushers and defensive linemen coming into this draft. And he dominated all of them. He -hmm. gave up exactly zero sacks last year in the SEC. Yeah, that's no Joe conference. And listen, what have we talked about? What have Bears fans all over talked about at nauseum? Protecting Protecting Justin Justin Fields, Fields. right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yep. But but suddenly people are mad. They're I had somebody unfollow me, but he was so mad. He he posted that the Bears drafted a tackle that was a that could have got in the third or fourth round, and that he was not good. And I was just like, I had him as my second best tackle behind Paris Johnson. And he's like, a lot good. of people did. And this guy goes, good for you. Nobody. It was just you and the Bears thought that way. And I was like, well, here's the grades on the pick. You know, I know grades don't matter, but I'm like, clearly other people thought that was a good pick. And he goes, Mm -hmm. none of those people are scouts. And uh, I put Greg Gabriel, Greg Gabriel, former scout. Um, Who's the guy that's friends with Matt Nagy that used to be a front office guy that uh, keeps wanting, wanted to interview for the Bears job. Um, What a coach? No, no, he's a, a GM. He's on TV. Um, I can't think of his name, but he said that he thinks that Darnell Wright could be the best player in this draft period, not at position period. And I was like, this is a former front office guy. And here's a former, uh, scout. Both of them are high on it. And he's just like, well, I, he's like, right tackle is where you put, uh, old and failed left tackles. You don't draft a right tackle. I'm like, what? What? This? what? 
I was like, this is 2023. They move around the best edge rushers to find the best matchup. You need right. somebody that can pass protect. And and Darnell Wright is really good. He's really good. He's big. And he's not just big. He's athletic. Mm-hmm. His RAS score out of 10 is a 9.68. That's pretty good. <clears throat> and what I love is, you know, he is a mean, nasty guy on the field. Uh, off the field, he just seems like a nice kid. He does. Very polite. And what I loved is the day before his biggest day of his life so far where he's drafted in the NFL. What's he posting about on Twitter? The trailer for the new transformers movie. No, there you go. You know, I'm like, he's just, he's just happy kid, a good kid. And he's already, he's like, I'm here to work. I'm here to protect Justin Fields. And I, I love the pick the he's, bears. He's the Ryan bears, Poles guy, right? Yep. He's, He's a nasty offensive lineman that's athletic and long and he's big and, uh, and, but he's a high motor, high character guy. And that's exactly what Brian Poles is trying to build around here. You've, you had a glaring hole at right tackle. Now you have no glaring holes on this offensive line. You have no glaring holes. The biggest challenge, the biggest hope for me is that Tevin Jenkins stays healthy. That's just, if he's healthy, if you got Tevin Jenkins and Darnell Wright on the right side, you're obviously feeling pretty good about that. And, you know, Braxton Jones. Nate Davis is going to be on the right side. You think so? Yeah. Tevin Jenkins even even put a post on Twitter that he's going to move over left. So. Oh, that's fair. That's fair. So. Um. It's yeah. Cause I mean, they have on the death chart, they have him switchable. So I mean, fine. He, he is switchable. I think cause it's, if I think here's how the rotation kind of works, I think it's going to be Braxton Jones on the left tackle yep. and Tevin Jones or Tevin Jenkins left guard, uh, uh, whitey coat hair at center, Nate Davis at right guard and Darnell Wright at right tackle. And if uh, Nate Davis goes down, Tevin Jenkins will go over to the right guard. Um, Cody Whitehair will go over to left guard and Lucas Patrick will go in or Lucas Patrick or Doug Kramer. Don't forget about Doug Kramer. Yeah. I mean, he's still here. He didn't play last year and he got, we'll see what he can do in camp. Yeah. He had an injury and I think, they just sort of redshirted him. They just one of those, Hey, you know what? Um, We're going to make him injured reserve and he's just going to be in camp, but they liked him. They liked him coming out of Illinois. So don't be surprised if he wins that backup job, but um, uh, either him or Lucas Patrick will then go in at center. Um, So that's. Do you, do you agree with some people? Because part of me kind of does. You know, I do kind of wish they would have drafted somebody at center. Um, I mean, Cody Whitehair has been a fine center for a while now, but how much longer are we going to get of that? I, I mean, even like last year, you're like, okay, you think it's time that we move on from Whitey Coathair? It's, I still call him Whitey Coathair because of freaking Wani, man. My goodness. That was so good when he said Whitey Coathair. Oh my goodness, <laughs> Wani. But I mean, you know, 
I don't think it's my the, thinking. I don't think it's it. the end of the world, but yeah, what do you think? Is I agreed. I I would not have gone after Titman, who I think was the best center in the draft. I don't know why all of Bears Twitter was in love with John Michael Schmitz. He's good, but I think Titman's better. Um and more versatile. Um but if you draft one of those two guys, you've committed a very high draft pick and they've got to come in and start. And if they come in and start, first of all, you have a really, really inexperienced offensive line. You've got a second year uh, left tackle, third year left guard. uh, Who's been injured a lot of the time. Yes. As good as he is. A first year center and a first year right tackle. The only veteran you have is the right guard. Also centers coming in to the draft or into the NFL from the draft. It's a, it's one of the hardest positions to learn because Mm -hmm. you are the quarterback of the offensive line. You're calling out the protection packages and those protections or those Blitz schemes and rush schemes are a lot different in the NFL and a lot more exotic than they are in college. And it's, it's tough. So with that young offensive line, I think it's better to have a veteran um, center. Now that's why I think, would it have been a good idea to draft one of the, the later, because there was a lot of centers in this draft. Um, like Alua Temi from Michigan or Whipler from Ohio State. <clears throat> one one of those guys that you could have gotten later on. Uh, you know, I probably would have done that and used to let them, <clears throat> you know, develop and get a year under their belts before you move on from Cody Whitehair. But also they might be high on Doug Kramer from what they Greg Gabriel sure. said that they really liked him before he got injured. Mm-hmm. So, and they've been in the building with him. All, I mean, just because he was injured, he's been in the building he's going to meetings. He's they, they can see what he understands and what he doesn't. They might like Doug Kramer. And if you like Doug Kramer, then why in the world would, would you draft another guy? That's, you know, uh, that's just going to only one of them going to make the roster. So, um, you know, most of us would have wanted to draft a center because we know we need one, but we also don't know where, what their opinion on Doug Kramer is. And none of us have a good opinion on him because we haven't seen him. Right. We haven't seen him play. Obviously he played at Illinois, but playing at Illinois in the big 10 versus playing in the NFL are two very different animals. But I mean, look where all of those good centers that we wanted came from. Titman, big 10, John Michael Schmitz, big 10, Whipler, big 10, uh, Oluwatemi, big 10. Yeah, that is I true. Think, I think of the, the top six centers, I think only one of them was outside the Big Ten, and that was uh, um, uh, what's his name? The one from Arkansas, the center from Arkansas. Um, well, yeah, and I don't want to downplay Lomberg. the Big Ten. I'm just, I'm just saying that, like you know, there's still a big difference between the NFL and that. Oh, absolutely, but they could, they could very well like 
Doug Kramer or say, you know what, we want to give another year to Doug Kramer and we'll ride with the veterans and let him, let him, you know, practice and, and work out with the team now that he's healthy. And who's to say that they don't draft one next year? Um, Yeah. You know, here's the thing is last year, I think, uh, I think Mustafa played every single game. Seemed like it. Um, And where is he right now? Has he even signed anywhere? He, uh, not to my knowledge. I think he's not to my knowledge. He's, he's a free agent. He's not playing. So he, uh, he is on the streets and the bears moved Cody Whitehair. And, you know, we know Cody Whitehair is not the best of centers. He's got a little bit of a snapping issue, but you know what? He's really smart and he knows those protections. He's a veteran and he made a pro bowl at center. I mean, he's overall had a very nice career. You know, obviously he's been around a while. He's like one of the longest tenured bears. I mean, he goes back several years. Because yeah. he was on that 2018 team, wasn't he? He was. I think it's just him and Eddie Jackson are the only players that are left from that team. Yeah, so I'm I'm okay with the, uh, the decision not to draft a center. <clears throat> and, you know, we'll learn more this year. You know, so then let me... There's only so many draft picks you had. And, you know, you had a lot of holes to fill. I'm okay. The fact that they didn't have to center because they have a veteran there. They have two veterans there. Um, but if, but if Doug Kramer, if they feel like he can't play or he's not good enough, you know, this season, you know, during practices and training camps, then yeah, I want them to draft one next year because then I'd want him them to step right in and play rather than, you know, riding white hair again for two years in a row. So then let me ask you this. Let's say this is best case scenario. All right. Let's say Doug Kramer is pretty good. Like, you know, solid guy. Mm -hmm. Would you say if that's the case that you feel as, as good, if not the best about the depth at center versus any other spot on the offensive line? Because if you look, I mean, Okay, left tackle. Braxton Jones is your starting guy. Larry Borum is your backup right there. Um, you know, over at guards, your backups are. Um, I mean, I I don't even. You let Alex Leatherwood, um, and Jatir Carter are the right. backup guards. So you're, I would say, center is. You've got four guys at center. You've got Cody Whitehair, Lucas Patrick, Doug Kramer, Dieter Eiselin. Not all four of those guys are going to make the roster. Right. I, I think, I think if they like Doug Kramer, then I think Lucas Patrick gets jettisoned. Yeah. And I mean, I just, what I was saying too, was I don't know how much I trust anybody at the backup guard positions. Um, like Alex Leatherwood. I, I mean, eh. okay. Do I trust Alex Leatherwood on April 30th, 2023? No, but I still, I still hold out hope that the bears can get something out of him. And I think he'll make the roster again. You know, he had a bad showing in with the Raiders. 
but I think he's so he was so talented coming out of Alabama. I and with the Bears, he got mono, and just I don't think he was ever right. Right, and that that does not help. That does um, not help. So, <clears throat> I think I think he's going to come in, and I think he's going to be a, a a good backup guard on either side. Jatir Carter, we didn't see much of him, no. but I know for a fact he and Braxton Jones have been regularly working out with Olin Krutz to work on technique. And they have both been working on their core strength and not just their, you know, gym lifting weight strength, but Pilates and getting the, their core strong and their lower body strong. Um, so I will see what happens with Jeter Carter. Um, but you know, so a little unknown is the depth. It just, it just worries me. And I know I sound like a broken record. It just worries me when Tevin Jenkins has been as injury riddled as he has been. Here, I, though, I, I can't just think here, that he's going to play 13 plus games. I mean, honestly, if Tevin Jenkins goes down, I think Cody Whitehair goes back to guard and then either white hair Kramer goes in at center. I think that's what's going to happen. <clears throat> sure. I, it's, I, I, sure. I mean, I would rather do that, frankly. I mean, I, I feel like I that would be the best. Happens. I feel like that'd be the best way to approach it. My concern is the tackle position. So <clears throat> if Braxton, Braxton Jones and Darnell Wright stay healthy, I'm I'm good with that, but your your backups are Larry Borum, Kellen Deesh, and two undrafted rookies that you brought in. Mm-hmm. Or I don't know, they brought in five undrafted rookie offensive linemen, and I don't know which are guards, which are centers, and which are tackles. Um, so to be fair, they've got so it's undrafted rookies, Larry Borum and Kellen Deesh. And that's not to say that they won't add a veteran at swing tackle. That's still a possibility, but that's as of April 30th. Right. Today. Right. Like Larry Bourne would be your first guy. You'd be like your next man up. Yeah. I mean, you know, does Alex Leatherwood get another shot at tackle? Maybe. Um, but, you know, who knows? There's a lot to work out, but as a starting five, I'm, I think if, if this line stays healthy and they get the time to gel together, I think this is a decent offensive line. Yeah. And again, like I said, last year in those games, Tevin Jenkins did play. You saw a difference in the protection that Justin Fields had. You definitely saw a difference and there are coaches and scouts and, you know, video people that can break down all those plays and explain a lot better than I can about how that all worked. But, you know, a healthy Tevin Jenkins makes this line better, just him being there and playing. And if you add Darnell Wright in there and he does what he did in college, I mean, that that right side is just looking so much better. And again, what did we ask for? Protect your passer. And we got one of the best pass protectors in this draft. So. I'm cool with it. I'm good with it. 
it shows to me that they were ready to address the trenches as they said they would. Ryan Poles wants to build in the trenches. That's what they did. Darnell Wright really liked the pick. I'm good with it. I really like the pick too. They also, they said that they identified Darnell Wright as their number one tackle on their board. And, and they I, got their guy. And I can see that. Like, I like Paris Johnson. Um, I just think Darnell Wright, both have very high ceilings. Um, I, I think Darnell Wright fits in better day one because um, I think Paris Johnson's better on the left side and you're switching Braxton Jones. You're going to get a little flux there. I think you, you leave Braxton, this situation, you leave Braxton Jones where he is, let him keep developing and you put Darnell Wright on the right-hand side and it's a <clears throat> complete win-win. Um, I really like Darnell Wright. I watched a lot of film on him and I really like him. Uh, you know, Skaronsky, I think Skaronsky is going to be a very good player. I just, you know, you, you have to dig to find successful offensive tackles with arms as short as him. Yeah. And, I mean, that's been and, a big talking point. And honestly, maybe it works out, but I, I don't want to risk the situation where you draft a Skaronsky who I think, honestly, I think at tackle Darnell Wright is better anyway, but if you were to draft Skaronsky, what if he can't play tackle and you have to kick him into guard? Where does he play? Do you have to kick Tevin Jenkins back out to right tackle? And that um, just kind of makes things more complicated, right? Yeah, it definitely. Cause then you can't really gel. Um, so I'm, I'm fine with that, but the bears did not want to fall back because there were obvious, there was only, there was only a handful of, of tackles in this first, that were first round ground draft picks. And then that, that cliff drops off real far. I mean, yeah. people were like, Oh, Dewan Jones in the second, didn't Dewan Jones fall to like the fifth round. Yeah. He fell. He fell. Um, the, <clears throat> most of those tackles are going to be guards in the NFL. There was not mm-hmm. a lot of good tackles in the guard, the guard draft in this guards and centers in this draft thumbs up real good tackles in this draft is real shallow and you were able to get one of the ones that stood out yep so um the broderick jones i think he was a project and i watched him play he's very athletic he's very strong his technique was poor and i think i think it's gonna it's gonna be a curve for him i think you're gonna see him struggle early and I'm not going to say fail because if he's got a good coaching uh, staff and he has got a good work ethic, I think he'll succeed because he's got the tools, but it's going to be a, a struggle for him. I, I really do think. Um, and so I, I love this pick and, you know, they, they got their guy and that's all that matters. And right people, could, people can be mad that that they didn't go defense, but those same people would have been like, well, they didn't get a tackle, you know? Right. You can only, the board falls how the board falls and you have the picks that you pick. And I don't think if they don't, I think they painted themselves in a corner with offensive tackle. I don't know how you don't pick offensive tackle in the first round. Um, 
but they had to, I think. And so you, you made up for it. The other positions you lacked with later picks. And also if the bears are going to lose games, I would rather them lose by having a bad defense, but a good offense. And if you don't draft a tackle and you patchwork things, you're never going to realize the full potential of your offense. But if you put in a right tackle and you put all the weapons around Justin Fields, you give him the best opportunity to succeed and that offense, the best opportunity to succeed. And then the defense patchwork it and fix it next year. Got to protect your passer. He was yep. hit and sacked more than any other quarterback in the NFL last year. Um, so uh, then the second round, uh, there was talk the Bears trading up, but they didn't. And they stayed at pick 53, and they picked uh, Jervon Dexter Sr., defensive tackle from Florida. This is where I was a little, little shocked. Um, they clearly drafted a guy based on the potential rather than the production. Yep. And if you look at the production, they they reached on this guy. But if you look at the potential, um, I felt a lot better about it. Uh, he's a guy that has the, a really good ability to shed blocks. He's really athletic for his size, really powerful. He wins one-on-one matchups. <clears throat> um, his RAS score is 9.53. He's a traits guy, and he's a, a guy that is very moldable. You can do with him what you want. The biggest knock on him for me is that first step off the, the line when the ball is snapped is slow. It's a step behind. Um, he needs to keep his pad level a little lower, and he's got to develop some secondary pass moves. Um, and he also – he gets – when he gets hit with a double team, he can't hold this position. He just gets taken out. But if you watch him, he's he's really quick. If you can teach that guy to get a better jump off the ball, I think he's got the traits to be a three technique. And um, and I'm I I what I saw on film, the production wasn't always there but I think they have a guy that they can, they can turn into what they want. Well, and I mean, he's going to have to buy into the hits principle because from what I've heard, there's been questions about attitude and will a little bit from what I've read. And what it says to me that if there were those questions and the bears still wanted him, then something passed the sniff test. I mean, if because we talked about, you know, character, effort, the hits principle, yada, yada. But, you know, people were obviously questioning some of the effort at times. But if Ryan Poles drafted this guy, then there was clearly something they saw in him where they're like, you know what? I think he's willing to work. I think we can teach him some things. And I don't think that it's going to be an issue because I think they look very, very hard into those things as cliche as they sound. But, you know. Like you said, this is more of a project. This isn't one of those picks where I say this is a slam dunk, but I'm not going to knock on it either. Because like you said, there's the potential there. 
when you have the size, strength, and speed that he has, if you can mold him into what you want, then those attributes can help him be successful in the NFL and on this team. But I, I think this this guy's going to take a little bit of work. I if I I'd have to double check, but I believe um, he was one of the players that Lou Getze coached in the Senior Bowl. I think that they drafted a couple of players that he coached um, in the Senior Bowl, which to me get that there was a good experience because you got eyes on players and got to see how they were practicing around other players that are going in the draft and going into mm-hmm. the NFL. Um, so the bears drafted a lot of the guys that they brought in for their top 30 visit. Um, <clears throat> and, uh, and they drafted guys that Luke Getzey coached in the senior bowl. So, Um, so I think that probably uh, played a part. Could be, could be. So he's going to be playing alongside Justin Jones. And this is a big emphasis, right? If the Bears are going to take a step forward and if they want to start winning games, obviously you talked about the whole, you know, winning by scoring, but you got to stop the run too. And I think that the Bears have made really big efforts to stop the run in this offseason. And hopefully this is one of those many efforts. Yeah, he's a guy that I think he could play one tech or three tech. I think he's a hybrid guy. Um, And we'll talk about this a little more as we get to the other draft picks. But I think I think the Bears are going to have interchangeability in their defensive line. Um, And. I think you're going to see them throw waves out there and, you know, it might be that part of their part of their plan to stop the run is having fresh guys out there. Um, with the second of their second round picks, the bears pick Tyreek Stevenson cornerback out of Miami. Again, this guy has got an 8.93 RAS score and He's six feet tall and ran a four, four, five, 40. So he's big and he's fast, um, super physical, good speed to recover. And he's big enough to cover any wide receiver. Um, he had a plays much better in, in man coverage. Uh, he struggled in his own a little bit. Um, doesn't always transition well, but he compares pretty favorably to James Bradbury from the Eagles. And, hmm. I think he gives you that other outside corner. <clears throat> so when you look, it's going to be Jalon Johnson on one side, Tyreek Stevenson on the other. And, uh, and then you're going to be able to put Gordon in, in the slot where he's probably best suited. And that gives you, that gives you much better depth with your, your cornerback room. Yeah. I mean, this kind of pushes Kindleville door back a little bit who, you know, Kendall Vildor, I think he played a lot better last year than the year before, but I think you would rather have Kendall Vildor as a depth guy rather than one of your starting corners, right? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, you, I, to be honest with you, I think I think they even strengthened their cornerback room beyond this. Um, I think 
you know, Kindle Vildor played well. Uh, I think um, Jalon Jones and Josh Blackwell played well last year, but you added two draft pick corners were both big and fast. And you brought in a couple of, of undrafted rookies. I think you're really going to have competition and Kindleville door is going to have to play a, even improve more to make this squad. And, sure. I, and I agree with you that I thought he made light year improvements last year, mm-hmm. um, but he's going to have to continue to improve to make this squad. You know, and I've said this going into the offseason. I'm going to say it again. I think the Bears secondary is actually in better shape than what some people might give it credit for. You know, you saw Eddie Jackson go back to a more comfortable spot last year. And what happened? He played really, really well before he got hurt. I think Jaquan Brisker, the sky's the limit for him. We saw those strides taken by Kyler Gordon as we went last year, and you hope that he keeps building on that. You know, we talked about this before. Learning the quarterback position in the NFL is extremely difficult, right? Extremely right. difficult. Well, you know, people ragged on Kyler Gordon, and he had a rough first half of the season. He but did. If you, if you go back and watch the second half of the season, much better, much better, much much better. He, it, it was the the learning curve took half a season. I think you're going to see him come in and even be better this year. I think so too. I think, I think that the back seven of your defense is actually pretty stout. Your linebacker core, especially with the, we'll talk about the addition that they had to it, but I think your linebacker core is really good. I think infinitely better. I think you have one of the best safety duos in the NFL. And now you have pretty solid cornerback and you're going to have pretty good cornerback depth. Um, You know, it's, I think your defensive line got better in some ways, but we'll talk about that in a little bit too, but the, the back seven is definitely solid. I think so too. I mean, I, do you remember last year, when they played really hard against the Eagles. I do. I mean, I thought that you saw a lot of good things there. I mean, you were playing the MVP and, you know, you had a competitive game helped by, by that defense. And even in that game against the bills, they fought in and played hard. It's just when you couldn't get things going after a while, the bills obviously started to pull away, but you had a game for a while because they were playing. I mean, you can, Look at a lot of games and, you know, obviously like the Lions game was an absolute blowout. And, you know, by the end of the year, you're pretty much done in full tank mode. But I think that you saw a lot of promising things from the secondary last year. We could say, OK, I feel feel really good about this. I mean, like you said about the safeties, you know, if Eddie Jackson plays to Eddie Jackson level, the real Eddie Jackson level, more to what we saw last year. And boy, him and Jaquan Brisker is your safeties. You're feeling pretty good about that. And, you know, you look at the depth you have, too. You know, we could talk about Josh Blackwell. We could talk about Jalen Jones and some of the other guys they drafted, which we'll get to, and some of the other guys they brought in. So it's good that they were able to say, hey, here's a guy that can help make your cornerback core even better. And I do think that the more depth you have and the moves you make here, 
I, I've talked about it before. Jalen Johnson, you know, he's he's dealt with injuries in his career. And, you know, God forbid if he has to deal with more injuries, you feel a little better about being able to ride without him. He's an important player, but I mean, do you if you were a betting man, would you put money on Jalen Johnson playing a full season? I wouldn't. I, I don't. I don't bet on that. But you have a lot of depth there. Last year, you were just throwing undrafted rookies out there playing. Yeah. And you saw guys, you saw guys step up. And I think having that uh, experience now under your belt, as well as um, adding more depth, it just, it just prepares you. I mean, when Brisker and Gordon went down, you were just playing scrubs and nobodies and you had no pass rush. There was no pass rush and you were playing undrafted rookies and late round picks and they played decently. Um, so I, I don't think you're going to get hit with that. You hope at least that they're not going to get hit with that same rash of, of injuries and you've added depth. So yeah. Um, you're not going to be counting on the same level of, of, you know, lower level players. So I'm good with this. I mean, the way they're building their defense, it reminds you a lot of what Matt Eberflus did in Indy, right? Four, three scheme. You're building up your linebacking core. You know, I'm sure we'll get into this later. Um, The one thing I was pretty disappointed about this draft was you weren't really in positions to take any edge rushers you might've wanted. You know, I don't think I, uh, I still that, think that's going to be an issue. Yeah. I want to talk about that after the, you know, we finish the players, but sure. I, I agree with you and I have thoughts about that. Yeah. Um, the, with fourth round pick. So they picked 164 with, oh, I'm sorry, third round pick uh, 64. You got uh, Zach Pickens defensive tackle from South Carolina. He is one of my favorite picks of, of the guys they got. He's 6'4", 291, and he's got a big first step. He's really good at recognizing block schemes. He's quick. Um, He's got plenty of room to fill out and still be able to be a quick player. Had a 9.23 RAS score. This is your three technique. I think um, Justin Jones is probably going to start the season, but – Zach Pickens is going to take over at some point or get more because they rotate, but he's going to end up with more snaps at the three technique. Zach Pickens is a guy I really liked. I didn't know a lot about him. I hadn't watched a lot of film on him. And when I sat and watched him, I really liked what I saw. I think he's a guy that, um, and he's, he's still got a lot of room to grow. And I think he is, he's that guy when they passed on Jalen Carter, they went, this is going to be the guy that that's going to be our three technique. Yeah. I mean, this is one where I'm kind of just waiting to see how this, this plays out. Um, so I, I like, I like this one and I'm excited to see him play and another, another uh, high motor guy. Um, and then they go from pick 64 in the third round all the way to pick 115 in the fourth round. And they get Roshan Johnson running back out of Texas. I like this one. I, when, when the uh, day two ended 
and I get to sit down and regroup and look at who was available. I noted Roshan Johnson was one of the uh, top guys that I would have gone after. And um, I'm really excited they got him. He uh, he ran a four five eight, so he's not a barn burner. No, but <clears throat> if you watch him run, he is he's a decisive runner, good vision, really strong. He's got a return ability, and what kept him from being a much much more highly uh, valued pick? Bijan Robinson. He he was played on the same team as Bijan Robinson. Yep, and. Bijan Robinson was the the cat's meow in this draft and made people go up and take another top 10 running back for the first time since 2018. Um, Roshan Johnson, what I like the most about him, I mean, one of the things I like most about him is he doesn't have the mileage of most college running backs because Bijan Robinson got so many of those carries. Mm-hmm. So Roshan Johnson, watch the film on this guy. He's six foot, 219 pounds. He's a bruiser. He does have deceptive speed. And again, he's another athletic guy. His RAS is 8.67. So athletic. He's got enough speed. He's powerful. He'll break blocks, good vision, strong. I like him and, and with this, I think Treston Ebner is going to have a real tough time making the squad. I think between you have four guys right there before, uh, or uh, I should say before Ebner. Yeah. So your, your running back room is starting to look nice. Deontay you know, Foreman, you... Khalil Herbert, Roshan Johnson, Travis Homer. Yeah. Um. Yeah, you got Travis Homer, uh, Tristan Abner, Khalil Herbert, Deontay Foreman, Roshan Johnson, and you brought in two uh, undrafted rookie running backs in Andrew Clare and Robert Burns. So Tristan Abner has got a long way to go to make this roster. And <clears throat> not that I'm rooting against anybody, but the fact that Ryan Poles looks at a draft pick and said, you know what? I, I didn't hit on that one. I'm going after it again. And I will cut ties on mistakes and not, not be like, well, I drafted that guy. I'm going to make it work. Right. So, I mean, Roshan Johnson, he's not He's going to be a guy you're going to be wanting on your roster. Obviously. I mean, you look at, you look at the other guys. So, Deontay Foreman, this is one that you kind of forget about. You're like, oh, yeah, he's a thing. You know, you think of Khalil Herbert right away since David Montgomery's gone. And Travis Homer, you signed to be a blocking running back. You know, he's a guy that's going to be good at blocking. He's going to have a specific role. But, you know, if you have Foreman, Herbert, and Johnson. And a fullback. Fullbacks are people, too. (laughs) They are. I mean, I, I dig it. Yeah, this running back room has got depth. Blessing um, game. <laughs> uh, next pick is a 148 in the fifth round, and the Bears picked Noah Sewell, linebacker out of Oregon. <clears throat> this was one I always thought was a little weird. Uh, you don't have room 
really you've got you signed two you know big money free agent uh, linebackers and your uh, Mike linebacker only is playing 10 15 percent of the snaps and uh, you, you feel good about about uh, Sanborn playing that I think um, but they felt that Noah Sewell was too good to pass up and so I mean isn't it good having more talent on a core you've already added a decent amount of talent too yeah, I mean, that was with this draft, we were looking for as many blue chip players as possible, but you're also looking to build that depth. And this is a guy that he's going to be, he's going to be a Mike linebacker. Um, you know, he's six foot two, 246. He's a big dude. He's a thumper, really powerful, good tackler, high motor. He just doesn't have a lot of coverage skills, but he will take, he will take on a block and drive that block and and make those tackles and big hits. He's going to be competing with Jack Sanborn for that Mike spot. Not a lot of snaps, but you know, you might end up getting somebody better than Sanborn. Um, and he's also the brother of Panay Sewell, the, the tackle from the lions. Yes, he is. So th- there's another bears lions uh, brother duel that we're going to have when they play <laughs> each other uh just what you need hopefully hopefully we get the the better end of this one yeah yeah no kidding but you know sean i I, i'm really looking forward to looking at our linebacking core and saying you know what i like this because the linebacking core in recent times is just bleh but we saw what jack sanborn did last year and you hope that that carries over and then you know your big free agent acquisitions were TJ Edwards and Tremaine Edmonds. I mean, you got mm-hmm. both those guys on day one of free agency. Those were two huge moves. So Ryan Poles went in right away and addressed that linebacking core. And I just feel infinitely better. I mean, couldn't you argue that the most improved area of the Bears roster this offseason is the linebacking core? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Um, and then Panay Sewell, athletic guy, eight, uh, RAS score of 8.38, um, 4.32 yard dash. Let's see the second of your fifth round picks, the 165 pick, you get Terrell Smith cornerback out of Minnesota. Um, he is an, he is a hits principal guy. Um, he's fast. He's big. He's high motor, six foot two oh four, runs a four four one forty, RAS score of eight point six seven. Played against big time competition and being in the Big Ten, um, he's he's got to work on his instincts a little bit and his hip turns, but he's really fast. He's really big. He is a uh, high motor type guy. I I like this pick. I don't think that they were expecting to pick another corner, but. Um, you know, when you, when you're drafting guys with four, four, one speed that are six feet tall, you, uh, you take those guys. Yeah. And obviously he's not projected to be a starter or anything, but when you have these guys depth, as we talked about before, you know, you can, you can take these kind of guys and be like, you know, listen, there's upside, there's going to be some development work, but if you can make this work as a depth piece, you're going to feel even better. Absolutely. You know, people, people are like, oh my God, they didn't draft a edge rusher. I mean, in this, at this late 
like the edge rusher is probably not going to be that good anyway. Um, you know, when you got, when this is a passing league and if you get a cornerback that this fast and this tall, you sort of got to take it. Um, and then you get to your two seventh round picks. The first one was pick 218, Travis Bell, defensive tackle out of Kennesaw State. This is a motor guy. This is a hits principal guy. This is a guy that he is bring your lunch pail to work, Chicago blue collar guy. And I think the reason he got drafted was the person he is and the worker he is more than anything else. Um, Ryan Poles talked about how this guy had a job that he worked during school, during football, and he'd go into his locker room and put his work uniform in his locker room and hang his box cutter in his locker room and then go out and play. And he's playing saying, listen, this is what I got. I got to earn this. And he's a super high motor, really strong guy, shoots the gaps. Um, he's, he's got to work on, on his pass rushing moves. You know, he's pretty raw, but he's a, he's a motor guy. And he's, he's a guy that has a lot of room to, to get bigger. He's six foot three ten, and RAS score of 8.27. Before we go any further, we did miss somebody. Who'd we miss in the fourth round? Who'd I miss? You missed Tyler Scott. Oh, Tyler Scott. You're right. The other um, guy that I really liked that yeah, the pick Tyler up. Scott. Uh, he is another Darnell Mooney. He is. He's a guy that's got a good catch radius. He's small, but he's really fast. Comes out of Cincinnati. He was a guy. He was one of the. I didn't. I wasn't very high on the wide receiver class this year, but there was a couple of guys later on. Um, uh, it's like Cedric Tillman from, from Tennessee was one that I liked and, uh, and Scott was the, one of the other ones I liked that I thought were more than just traits guys. So he's going to come in and, uh, he's going to add depth there. And I think suddenly your wide receiver room starting to look pretty good. You, uh, uh, when you look at, at who you've got there, um, you've got Darnell Mooney, Tyler Scott, Equinemius St. Brown, Dante Pettis, um, DJ Moore, Chase Claypool, Valus Jones Jr., and then you've got holdovers, Simba Webster, Doris Fountain, Joe Reed, and then you added one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Uh, eight undrafted rookie wide receivers. So, so, I mean, this is the conversation I want to have with you is how do you think this is going to shape up? Because there's going to be some decisions made here. And I think right now you're looking at Tyler Scott is you want to see him on the roster, but I think there's going to be some competition at the bottom, right? I mean, there's, you know, is Valus Jones going to be just a one year and gone guy? Is he going to? I don't to- think so. I don't, you don't think, think so. so. I, I, th- I think we, he was drafted high enough and he showed enough at the end of the season 
to that he's going to be back. I I just you got to if he's going to be a special teams guy even. I know he looked better towards the end of last year, but is he going to have to prove something in camp? I he's mean, gonna, every all you know? these guys are. I mean, you know, Claypool, Mooney, and DJ Moore. Earn, those are your top spots. three. You've yeah. got those, those three guys three. have spots. You're going to carry six wide receivers. Yes. So you've got, but you've three spots between Tyler Scott, uh, Equinemius St. Brown, Dante Pettis, um, Bayless Jones, Fountain, Bayless Jones, Symbol Wops, Webster, Doris Fountain, Joe Reed, and eight undrafted rookies. So that's that's a, a lot of guys competing for three spots. Yeah, and I mean, if you look kind of what you have here, obviously time is going to tell where that's going to end up. You brought Dante Pettis back. Equinemius St. Brown was technically an extension. It was a one-year extension, a very small extension. So you're not necessarily married to Equinemius St. Brown, but I do feel like he does have a spot to lose with the blocking ability he has, with the size he has. Listen, he's not the guy I want Justin Fields throwing downfield to. He's not... In the crucial game, I don't want to be throwing the ball to Equinemius St. Brown. He's not going to be a top four or even five target, but you do feel like that it would be a spot for him to lose with what he can do, right? I mean, there's there's a reason they brought him back on an extension. Yeah, I mean, it, it's these guys were brought back on low-cost extensions because if you didn't, if you weren't able to bring in a DJ Moore or you weren't able to add anybody in the draft. You wanted to make sure that you had guys that had worked with Justin Fields has familiarity with the system and that you knew could, could fill in, not at a high level, but fill in. Um, and that's exactly what they are. They're guys that you can trust. Even if, even if they're not good, you know that they know the system, they know the quarterback, you know what they're like to coach, and you can plug them in. Well, but especially if they can fulfill a specific role. But then none of them matter as far as finances go. If these guys don't perform, they are not making a roster spot. Oh, yeah, no, I mean a lot the, of yeah. competition. They're not they're not married to anybody below really the top three, right? I mean, obviously you want Tyler Scott on your team just because you drafted him, but sure you gave Equinemius St. Brown the extension, but if you cut him, it was like what a one point two million extension. I mean, yeah. it's it's it, a drop it in the bucket. It well, it won't even count towards your your uh, salary cap. You know, it's right. Just, so it's, it's just it's, it's just really money. Right. Um, right. So. I mean, I I would think that Valus Jones and Tyler Scott have uh, the inside track for spots four and five. So, well, especially because both can play special teams. Yep, and Dan, and you had Roshan Johnson, who's a special teamer as well. So you're looking at Equinemius St. Brown, Dante Pettis, Doris Fountain, Joe Reed, and Simba Webster, and eight undrafted rookies for that one spot. I'm just, I'm just not as convinced Valus Jones is that safe. And I'm not saying you're saying that any of these guys are safe. I, I'm just, I don't know. I, I don't know. I mean, with Dante Pettis, 
he wasn't great. I'm not saying he was this great wide receiver, but he did make some plays for you last year. You did see some of that. Not that this is going to matter in camp. You got to perform in camp. I just think that this gets really interesting. Is everything below your top three guys, below more Claypool and Mooney? It just It's going to be interesting to see how this all fits together because you are going to want guys that are going to contribute well on special teams and also fulfill, you know, specific roles as lower end receivers. So, yeah, yeah I mean, I, I, don't, I don't, I'm not saying Valus Jones is a lock. I'm just saying, I think he probably has the inside track because of the speed he has, how high the bears were on him. And those last several weeks, how much better he looked, uh, but he's his second year and he's so old, man. Who cares? I mean, it's, it's I, I, I'm being, being 26 and who cares? Like, I mean, it's, he's in his prime. If you know, you're not, you're not guaranteeing him after this rookie deal. It's so what is he, if he's in four years, he's 29 at the end of the deal, then he's done. You so you want to pay for his Kane and Walker out there? You you want you want you want the Bears to pay for his dentures? Wait, how old are you? I'm gonna be 29 in. Oh, wait! I, one, you are older. Two, three. You are older than Velas Jones. I'm gonna be 29 in 3.75 <laughs> hours that we're uh, recording right now. Happy birthday! Thank you. I'm, you. I'm still holding on to my jokes. You are older than Velas Jones, but I'm not a football player. I know, but I just, I'm just saying is I, th- I think we saw enough of him and uh, at the end of the year being that he was a high draft pick that um, you're, he's got the inside track as of now, but again, it's, if he comes out there and looks bogus in training camp and doesn't play well in the preseason games, that could change real quick. I'm just sure. saying again is the end of April and we're uh, I, I think Valus Jones is probably the inside track over, you know, to get one of those spots. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I get it. We'll see what happens, but uh, yeah, I, I thought the Tyler Scott, if, if you're going to get a wide receiver in a, in a class, that's not very deep, then you know what? It's like, that's the kind of guy that I'm okay getting. And hey, you know what? I thought uh holy Smith cow, not Jigba. to interrupt you. Are you watching game seven of the Panthers Boston game series? No, no, what's going on? Uh Boston or uh Florida pulled the goalie and tied it with 59 seconds left in the third. No kidding. I gotta the, flip that on. It's it's incredible. This is a good game. So we're about to go to overtime then. Probably. Unless the Panthers pull a Blackhawks. um yeah but i i'm i'm feeling a lot more positive about this wide receiver group well i was just saying uh i really thought smith the jigbo was going to go to the packers but he ends up going to the seahawks and man he's going to be on a wide receiver core of dk and lockett that's that's going to be real good pretty good pete pete carroll doesn't miss man he does not I mean, miss the hope with the bears is if you keep drafting, well, you can be in one of those teams where you can move back and take advantage of players that fall or 
be able to take a risk on a guy like a Jalen Carter because you've you've already built your your culture, you've got strong players in the locker room, and you've built up this depth where if you miss on a guy, you're you're in good shape still. Well, and and that kind of relates to this whole this whole draft for the Bears. It was playing it safe more or less, right? Like, wouldn't you agree with that? Uh, yes, but caveat that the safe route was also a really good route. It, and I'm not saying know, it was, I'm not saying it was wrong. I am yes, not saying it was the, the safe, wrong way to go. The safe route has a connotation of being a bad route. And in this case, the safe route was also, was a really, really good option. Um, right. No, I, I think that this is in this situation where you are trying to build up and build on a core, you don't have the luxury of taking risks because the risk is pretty damning. If it doesn't work when you're trying yeah. to build something where I'm not, I'm not comparing Ryan Poles playing safe to build something for a reason to Ryan pace, just, you know, trading away draft picks like they're you know your sandwich at lunch at school i mean th- th- these are very different situations we're talking about i mean this is a situation where ryan poles really can't afford to miss on a lot of this because you need so much to build up this team if three of your four top draft picks are misses y- you're screwed Everything is screwed. Yeah. Yeah. You don't have a lot of room for error if you're Ryan Poles because you don't have a long resume and your team needed a lot of guys. And time will tell what this, this draft pick looks like. I mean, I, I really think, really think um, Darnell is going to pan out. I think he's going to pan out really well. Um, I think... Roshan Johnson is going to pan out well. I think Scott is going to do well. And you ended up with a couple of defensive linemen um, and a couple of cornerbacks. So I think one will probably end up being your starter and your defensive line. I think they're going to be regular contributors. It's, it's you're building up your overall depth. Did you add elite pieces that are going to come in and, uh, you know, start day one. I don't know. Um, but their their the defensive line is uh is is going to be a rotation. So uh, you just got depth at your rotation. Right, and I mean that's that's an important thing to have. And I mean I think that if if Darnell Wright is a big hit, then that right there is really helps this draft look good, but you need to hit on more than just one guy. Like you said, I feel good about Roshan Johnson. I mean, usually with those types of running backs, if you have the right scheme, if you have the right blocking, as long as they're healthy, you feel pretty good about running backs like that hitting, right? Wouldn't you say? I think so. You know, it's not like you're taking a cornerback. That's a project where 
it could work, but it could really not. Or even a quarterback for that matter. I mean, there's no such thing as a 100% guarantee, but I think for, you know, guys like running backs, like Roshan Johnson, you feel better about that being a hit. You're, you're safer feeling, okay, this is probably going to work pretty well. Whereas there's a bunch of other positions where, you know, they're coin flips. I mean, you look at uh, Tyreek Stevenson, you know, I have no reason right now to say he's going to be a bust, but there's no reason for me to also say that he's going to be a hit, but you sure as hell hope he is. I mean, you could say the same thing about uh, Dexter Sr. You could say the same thing. Hell, about even Darnell Wright. You know, we feel pretty good about him succeeding, but, you know, we we have to see. We have to see them play. We have to see how they look at a camp. They look have to see on an actual field during a game. But I think, you know, if you come away with this draft and you say, okay, Wright looks like the real deal. Dexter looks like the real deal. Roshan Johnson looks like the real deal. Uh, Stevenson looks like the real deal. And then, you know, you look at some of the guys you have depth on defense that you drafted. Does Noah Sewell, I don't know how much he's going to play. You already have Edwards and Edmonds, but if he looks like a nice piece in there, then okay, that makes you feel better about that. He is not a good enough, uh, you know, pass defender uh, in coverage to to be one of the, the Will or the Sam he's going to be a Mike and he's going to be competing with Jack Sanborn for that spot. Right. That's, but that's exactly where he is, but he's, he might, he might very well beat out Jack Sanborn. I mean, that's, that's going to be a fun one to watch, but if he doesn't, you know, he adds depth to that, that roster room and Ryan right. Poles talked about, he talked to his linebackers coach before he made that pick and the linebackers coach is like, man, I'm feeling really good about, what I have this year compared to last year, you know? Right. That's fair. I mean, that that's fair. I mean, you know, I know I talked about Edwards at Edmonds, but Jack Sanborn is probably the more, the, the better way to put it. Like you said, I, I mean, with Jack Sanborn, the thing with him is he had a really good first year. I don't know if he's going to carry into the next year. I'm not saying he's not going to, but we can't guarantee that. Right. No, absolutely. We can't. Um, and you know what, if you use a draft pick and you get somebody better than him jack sanborn did is is a guy that you know played multiple positions in the linebacking group is then he becomes your super sub and your your super your backup that can play any of those positions and then you know sewell is your is your mike so um i mean you're uh sam so it's a it's it's a it's a good position to be in. It makes you better. Solidifies thing. You know, one of my things was I was like, yeah, they should probably add a linebacker in this draft just because you've got your starters, but you need depth. You need to be better at depth. And part of the draft is is you got to draft depth too. You're not going to draft uh, you had ten picks. You're not going to draft ten starters. You're going to draft no. You know three, maybe four starters. If you're lucky, you're good. And then everybody else is you're looking for people that are, uh, that are going to be, you know, contributors and depth players and eventually become starters, you know, through hard work and, and experience. I mean, the guys you could probably slate in as starters right now out of this draft 
Wright and Dexter Sr., you're, you're probably your two that you would say most likely are going to be starters, right? I mean, uh, I would say Wright 100% is a starter. Barring, yes. All these barring injury. Well, of course. Of Wright, course. Wright is 100% a starter. Um, I would say Stevenson is more than likely going to be a starter. I would agree. Um, and I would say, uh, I don't know if, um, I don't know if, uh, if you'll see, um, Dexter or Pickens be starters per se, because, you know, they, they're going to rotate in, but they're going to both be regular contributors, regular contributors as part of that line. And I think by the end of the year, at least one of them will supplant um, Justin Jones's as the starting three technique. Right. Cause you know, you look at the other draft picks, I mean, Roshan Johnson, he's going to be a regular contributor. He's he's going to be a regular carries. Yep. He's going to get a lot of carries, but I mean, is he going to get as many carries as Herbert or Foreman? Not probably not. Not if, every, not if everybody's healthy. No. Right. Uh, I, again, this is all assuming health. Yeah. Uh, Obviously Tyler Scott is not going to be your number one ride receiver. Sewell has a good chance of winning that starting spot uh, over Sanborn, but it's, it's not guaranteed. Not, it's kind of a coin flip right now, but, but he's, he's got a shot. Um, Terrell Smith, I don't think there's much shot of him winning a starting spot, but no. I think he will be, um, I think he has a good chance of being making this roster and, uh, supplanting one of the players from last year. Um, and we didn't go through the last pick was Kendall Williamson safety from Stanford, six foot, 200 pounds, RAS score of 8.7. He is a total box safety um he's a thumper he's a motor guy he's a high character guy uh he just he's not that good in coverage um and i think i think bell and williamson are probably uh practice squad players um yeah, he's cer- they're certainly not going to beat out brisker or jackson assuming health and yeah kendall else. would be would be brisker's backup but um, so, I mean, is there a, is there a possibility he makes the roster as the backup? Uh, I mean, yeah, your, uh, got AJ Thomas on that. You got, you got AJ Thomas and Adrian, uh, Colbert. Colbert. Um, so could Williamson, I don't know that there, there's room, there's room for him to possibly make the roster as a backup. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's what he's going to be. He's going to be a backup. Yeah. You're carrying four safeties. Jackson and Brisker guaranteed. Uh, Elijah Hicks is your is your best free safety backup right now. Yep. Um, so he's probably making it. So it's going to be one other between Thomas, Colbert, and Williamson. And then you added three undrafted rookies to your camp. Mm-hmm. Um, I keep mentioning those guys as one unit but more and more as the years go on we see undrafted guys make rosters and make impacts so we do uh, so yeah but you so you'll have probably one spot for two four six guys 
because um, you know, your roster right now is like 105 players. Yeah, it's got to come down a bit, doesn't it? It does a little bit, a little bit. Um, but yeah, so I mean, overall, and I think Bell, I don't think there's any shot of him making this squad, but I think he's a practice squad member. Um, he's a guy, he's a guy that you're, you, you try to develop him and he's got, he's got the motor and the traits to be, uh, a good player. You know, you've just got to work with him. Um, but overall you, I talked about, um, spots where you needed to improve. And I thought offensive line was your number one spot. Mm -hmm. And the reason I said that was your defensive line dog shit. Absolutely. Yes, it was. Absolutely. But I kept saying is that I want one of the units to be complete and they're much closer to completing their offensive side of the ball. Give them that off that right tackle. And they did. So that's why I put that as number one. They hit that, nailed it. Uh, I put number two, edge rusher, and they did not address that. And No, they did not. They did not. And honestly, there was depth there. But every time the Bears came up to draft, I didn't think that there was a player worthy of that pick. Well, that's the problem is like, even though you had to address that position, they weren't in a position to really take one unless they reached. Yeah. And you don't want to reach just for a need. That's, that's, you know, you're wasting draft potential. Um, You, you got guys that are going to be contributing. I think, I think your draft on paper look was a good one. Um, But, and you hit some of the other needs, but um, I, you're going to have to go out in free agency. You're going to look mm-hmm. for them this week to sign a veteran edge rusher. Yep. They, they've got the cap to sign anybody they want. Um, it's going to be curious of, uh, you know, who, who they, they think is the, uh, um, you know, who they're going to pick. Because what your your number one guy in your roster right now is Travis Gibson. I mean, if you're looking at the Bears edge rushers, um, you're got uh, Travis Gibson, um, Dominique Robinson, Demarcus Walker. The other guys are Rasheem Green, Jerry Green, and Terrell Lewis. So. I think you need to add one guy and you'll have, yeah, you do. And you know, I was really hoping that we'd see Travis Gibson make some steps last year or at least make some steps that we were hoping to see, but we didn't get. So, and you know, Dominic Robinson, he was pretty impressive in that week one game. And then after that kind of, you know, fell off a little bit, but um, yeah definitely need more if you want to get to the quarterback they were the i believe they were last in sacks last year correct yep. as a team yep and your jaquan brisker when your safety is your sack leader you know it's a far cry from when you had in prime khalil mack and akeem hicks on this squad yeah so i mean you've got you're still number one in the nfl in cap space uh 
Yeah, I go out and know. sign guys. I don't think you've even hit the cap floor yet. So you've got, there is guys in free agency. And I think that was part of, you know, part of partly it was the board didn't fall your way. Um, you know, had, had, had Will Anderson fallen to, to the number nine pick and you're the bears. Do you go, do we got it? I think we got to take Will Anderson here. Um, but it didn't, it didn't fall that way. So when you were in the, the first round you didn't feel good about the other first round you know a top 10 you didn't have a top 10 edge rusher fall to you uh your second round was late there was just nobody there that was worthy just just the board didn't fall that way and you knew that there was guys in free agency that you don't love but there's guys available so you've got leonard floyd do you bring leonard floyd back uh, you've got, Jadavi- no. you've got Jadavion Clowney. I uh, I'd rather sign him. I just, I don't want to crap on Leonard Floyd, but doesn't really fit the scheme. Does he? I don't think so. You know, um, you're running a four, three. Now you've got Frank Clark. Um, you've got, uh, Yannick, uh, Nagaku. And I know he's the he's the guy that everyone keeps saying, but man, is he a bad run defender? And I think if you're the Bears and you can't, you're if you, I'm okay not getting a lot of pressure on the quarterback if you can stop the run. You have to stop the run. You have and to stop the run. So are you gonna are you gonna draft a guy that can't stop? I mean, assign a guy that can't stop the run. I'm honestly, uh, you've also got Trey Flowers and Kyle Van Noy who are available. Marcus Golden, Justin Houston, Melvin Ingram, Carlos Dunlop. Um, Robert Quinn is still out there. Um, it's a, it's an odd year, so he might do well. Reunite with Robert Quinn. But honestly, I'm going to say I'm a roll with Jadavion Clowney. I, I kind of like that idea too. Is, is at his, all right. He could be a turd and he quit on the Browns, but, uh, (laughs) I, his floor is he's a really good run defender. He is. Um, so honestly is if whatever he gives you in pass rush is just gravy. Um, so that would be my guy, but I would look for the bears to, to sign somebody this week. I would think so. I mean, it's a need. It is just a straight up need. I mean, right now your projected starters are DeMarcus Walker and Travis Gibson. I would like to see Travis Gibson, play to kind of where I was hoping he would be last year, but that didn't happen last year. I don't know if we're ever going to see that, but I mean, you remember you and I had conversations last year about him taking that step forward, right? Like you remember that. And he didn't, he just didn't, he just didn't. Um, you know, so you feel good about your safety group. Uh, you feel real good about your linebacking group. Um, I think between the additions you made in free agency and your draft picks, you feel better about your 
defensive tackles between yes. Andrew Billings and uh, and the draft picks. You feel better about about that with your rotation. It's just that edge rusher is bad. Yeah, um, it and is. That's that's going to be probably your number one priority next year. And you've got the ammunition to go up and get an elite guy. Um, Say but- the Bears, things go right midseason, and they're in contention. Think they go trade for one? Uh, depends. Depends on what people are doing. I mean, like hypothetically, they bring in Jadavion Clowney, and he has a resurgent year, and he gives them, you know, he goes for ten sacks on the year, and he's playing the run real well. I don't think you you don't think so. I don't think you do that. Uh, but, um, you know, who knows? It's it sort of just, you know, who gets injured, who's not playing well. Do are the bears even looking that good? There's a, there's a lot of, a lot of questions and, uh, you know, that's a long way off, but it you is, know, I'm just saying hypothetically edge is the weakness right now. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you look at offense and you're like, okay, I feel good about the wide receivers. I feel good about the starting offensive line. I think you need to add depth there. Absolutely. Uh, you added um, a backup quarterback who I like better in the off season, your running back room um, got is, is no worse than last year, possibly even better just because of the depth. Um, I mean, I, I really am high on David Montgomery, but I think, I think Herbert, uh, Herbert Montgomery, and who was the third guy they had last year? Oh, on running back. Yeah. Uh, uh Tristan Ebner. No, the one, the guy that they signed as a free agent from, uh, Tennessee. Oh, I'm blanking on his name too. Yeah. It's him, Montgomery, and Herbert. I think I think as a group, Herbert, Foreman, and Roshan Johnson are probably better. Yeah, I mean you I think you have more wealth spread out. Yes. Um and the wide receiver core is better. And your tight ends between Cole Komet taking a step forward and adding Robert Tanyan. Um, I think Robert Tunyon's going to go down as one of the better free agent ads this this offseason. Obviously, adding in TJ Edwards and Edmonds were the two big gets, but Robert Tunyon, don't let him fly under the radar. I think that was a really good get by the Bears. Yeah, that that position has been so vacant for the Bears for years now. Well, they had a lot of them. They just didn't have any quality. No, they just didn't have so that I mean between the U tight end and the Y tight end, you didn't have that guy that is that move tight end like Robert Tanyan. Yeah, and I think I think having him and Cole Komet, where Komet is that traditional, he can stay in line and block and go out and catch passes versus the one guy that's just gonna go out and catch passes that's you know different positions and they do different things. And I think you needed to move tight end in uh, Getzy's offense. 
I was just going to say he Luke Etsy. There's a connection there. Yeah. You, you went out and you got a, a guy that can knows this offense knows that coordinator and, um, and he fits the position that you, you didn't have. I think it's just, you know, if he stays healthy, I think that was a huge pickup. That was, that was, you know, it's funny as we were talking about this, Boy, the Florida Panthers had two really good chances. I know. I was ready to scream into the microphone. Um, man. Florida Panthers! I don't care who wins this game. It's just been a really good game. It, this has been a great game. Um, so I, I guess I'm going to ask you this. Um, I've laid out pretty much every area on the Bears roster. Uh-huh. Wide receiver, offensive line, uh-huh. quarterback, running back, Defensive line, linebacker, safety, corner, tight ends, special teams. That was a really cockamamie order, I know. But of all the areas, first, we're going to just reaffirm our opinions. The most improved area this offseason, linebacker. Can we both agree on that? Yes. Okay. But follow, followed not too far behind by wide receiver. Agreed. Wide receiver based on health and addition of players. Agreed. I mean, the DJ Moore was arguably one of the most impactful additions you made. We obviously talked about the free agent signings, but obviously DJ Moore came in the big trade with the Panthers. So yep. in terms getting, of getting a uh, Chase Claypool, who's had a whole offseason to work with the quarterback and learn the playbook, right? And and a healthy and Darnell Mooney. Hopefully, a ho- healthy Darnell Mooney. Yes, um, yes. That the, I think that's a close second. I would agree with linebacker is was far and away your best, especially considering where you were after you traded Roquan Smith, um, and uh, wide receiver second. Right. Okay, so if you had to rank confidence in each of these areas, so are you most confident in the wide receivers succeeding? Are you most confident in the linebackers succeeding? Who would you put as your number one area? I'm going to say wide receiver. I think the linebackers have, that depends a bit on, how the that defensive front plays because if if those linebackers stay clean a little bit and are able to do what their what their job is i think i have the most confidence in them but i would it's going to be a toss-up between wide receiver and uh the linebackers yeah i mean you know it, though it, between those two, I mean, obviously, I think there's there's arguments for both. If you look at just every aspect, every you know of this team, and you were to say, okay, we saw what most improved. Now, offensive line improved with the drafting of Darnell Wright, assuming health and you know all that stuff. Um, the offensive line, if you go by health and player addition. That was another big improvement because uh, Jenkins was hurt last year. Um, you had uh, white hair was hurt last year. You had a rookie at left tackle. Um, you had, you know, you were just, uh, 
you know, pretty decimated. And, um, and you added a right tackle, you added a health at center, you added health at your, um, guard positions. Um, I, I think, I think it was uh, a lot of improvements. Okay. So then I'm going to ask you this. Would you say it's fair that the area of the most concern, just going back to the conversation we had, would be defensive line? Absolutely. Um, much more so the edge than the interior. Of course. Uh, but, but we're talking as an entity as a whole as here. one entity, yes. That far and away, that defensive front is the biggest concern that I have. Well, and, and consider this too is that you were bad in both areas that they need to excel and to succeed. They couldn't get to the quarterback. They couldn't stop the run. They couldn't do either last year. Right. So there's a lot of work to do there. Now, I like our secondary. You seem to like our secondary. Very much so. Would you say it's fair to say that in terms of top level, top starters, their skill level, where they're at, you would put safety over cornerback, but in terms of depth, you would put cornerback over safety. Yes. Because I mean, I th- I think, I think Jaquan Brisker is the most talented guy on your on your defense. That that's that's my humble opinion. I would say that's fair. Um, and I I really like. A healthy Eddie Jackson and a healthy Jaquan Brisker. Mm-hmm. But I think if that cornerback room stays healthy, I think you're going to see them do some nice things. I think so too. And, and you look last year and you saw that they played pretty well with no coverage linebackers and no pass rush and not being able to stop the run. And you were like, Oh, Hey, those cornerbacks and those, defensive backs still played pretty well. Just imagine if you can help them by slowing down the run and being able to have those linebackers that can cover underneath and, uh, and I don't know, maybe make the quarterback move a little bit. Uh, I mean, it's just, could you, could you imagine if we had an elite edge rusher with this, type of secondary where you say we feel good about our corners and our safeties but here we can get pressure on the quarterback so we can make their jobs even easier by constantly having somebody in the quarterback's face hitting him taking him down even just applying any sort of pressure that's just what i wish we had it would be nice and you know there's also so I, I read who the I read who the free agents are. Don't forget, there's probably going to be cap casualties, mm-hmm. and there's also possibility of trade. Um, I know this has been. I'm just only going to mention. I don't think this is likely to happen at all, or even possibly even desirable to happen. But I will go out and say that because it's been talked about a lot on bears Twitter is chase young had his fifth year option declined uh-huh. by the Washington uh-huh. commanders. Uh-huh. 
Now, if you were able to get him and he stayed healthy, holy cow, you would have that guy. Because when he's healthy, he's He's good. He is good. It's just that guy has no ability to stay healthy so far in in the league. And you might be risking by giving up a lot of capital to get him. I don't know how much you would have to get up to get him, but it's either way, it is a risk. It's a risk. And I don't, I mean, I obviously wouldn't give up a high capital, but he's a guy and who knows, it might be that commanders maybe are not, I mean, just because they declined to pick up his fifth year option. I mean, the giants declined the fifth year option on their quarterback, but you know what? They re-signed him into an extension. It sort of puts the pressure on the player and to, to, you know, earn it, whether it's by a playing healthy or being healthy or just improving their play. And he's his, his is all health. So if he could stay healthy, he'll earn that contract. So I don't know if they're going to trade him. I don't think they will trade him. Um, just because I think Florida just won it. Yep. That was, they had so much pressure. Holy Moses. I can't believe Boston was so good in the regular season and just couldn't pull it out in the round one. That's why the NHL playoffs are wild, man. Yeah, that's, that's unbelievable. And then we got another game seven after this. Yeah. Oh my God. Okay. Though we need the Rangers though, for the Blackhawks sake, we need the Rangers, but I, I was begging, 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 begging for a game seven between the devils and the Rangers as a hockey fan. I need it. Oh man. That poor kid was hyperventilating. Um, you know, I, I don't mean to be a dick, but Boston is the most spoiled sports city on the planet. They really are. Go back. Okay. So what? Since 2000, you've had six Super Bowls, six Patriots Super Bowls, oh, four, four Red Sox World Series, a Boston Bruins Stanley Cup, and a Celtics championship, right? Yeah. yeah. And every year, it seems like at least one of those teams is in the finals. And you can still see the Celtics bring home a championship. Yeah. But that's that's insane. That's insane. Wow. But, you know, the Bears still have work to do. I do like where they're going. Um, and the defensive line, I'm as it is now, I don't know how those rookies will look. Uh, you did add a veteran free agent who played well at that one technique. Um, hopefully between the, all of those additions, you can see improvement, but they definitely have to go out and get an edge rusher. And I mean, does Khalil Mack get, uh, become a cap casualty? Is he somebody you would bring back? Um, is, you know, who they got to bring in a veteran. You just got to. It's got to be somebody that that's got the ability to to put up potentially put up double digit sacks. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, but 
man, it's a, it, it's a, it's fun. It's fun to, to really look at this depth chart and suddenly go, you know what? This is not so bad. And I forgot to mention at this point now, every single special teams spot has competition. You signed Ryan Anderson is competition for the punter. You signed an undrafted rookie kicker who I can't, I'm not even going to try to pronounce his name, but, uh, Robbie Gould. No, it, well, I mean, Robbie Gould, they, the 49ers got a third round kicker pick. So yeah, Robbie Gould is gone, but the, uh, the guy, the Bears signed as kicker from is a free agent, uh, rookie. His last name is S Z M Y T. Uh, I don't know how to pronounce that, but they signed it's just him. Robbie Gould with a fake mustache. <laughs> uh, so they've got a competition at punter competition at kicker, and they brought in an undrafted long snapper. So they've got competition at long snapper as well. So we've got competition here. I like it. I do too. I do too. You need to have that competition. My man, uh, Cairo Santos, was so good for a while here, but last year we saw some... Yeah, you saw chinks in the armor there. Well, was it it the game against the Eagles where it was like a 40-yarder and he's like, nope, punt it? Yep. Crazy. Uh, Do we have anything to say about... uh... Baseball, we call it a day. Yeah, let, let's save baseball for another. There, there, there's too much to go over. We've gone over plenty. Um, you know, yeah, I think we, I think we could save it for another show. Yeah, it was a, it was a disappointing. Uh, it was a disappointing week to say the least. Yeah, it was uh, disappointing for the Cubs. It was horrific for the Sox until they had their epic walk-off win to end the 10-game streak. And does that spark anything? We'll see. But overall, yeah, it it hasn't been particularly pretty. Yeah, not fun. But I'll tell you what. These playoffs in the NBA and the NHL, this has been really enjoyable to watch. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, can we just the Milwaukee Bucks? So the Milwaukee Bucks were eliminated in five games in the first round. They were the best team in the NBA. So they got eliminated. Boston just got eliminated. And the Dodgers won, what, 108 games? And then they lost right away? All within a year. Yep. Isn't that nuts? Uh, but this, uh, I'm excited about the Seattle-Colorado game. Hopefully it's as good as the, the Florida-Boston game. Yep. Though, man, Devils-Rangers, that's the one I'm really pumped for. Is that tomorrow? I believe so. Uh, but I think that's going to do it for this episode of Bill Swirsky Sports Talk Chicago. I want to thank everybody so much for listening. Please hit subscribe however you listen to podcasts, whether that's iTunes, Stitcher, YouTube, Google Play, Spotify, etc. 
Uh, share this podcast with your friends. That's how we grow the show. Follow us on social media at Swirsky Sports, Facebook.com slash Swirsky Sports, Swirsky Sports.com, or ShyFanPat2 for Alex on Twitter, or AlexanderJPatCreative.com for all the cool stuff that Alex does. And again, thank you guys so much for listening. And until next time, bear down. Cubs win! What a lucky break! The good Lord wants the Cubs to win! We thank Dick and God for all they have provided. Cubs win! Cubs win! Cubs win! Oh, I don't want her. You can have her. She's a Packer fan. She can't fit in my van. And she looks like... Remember, New Yorkers, smoking crack is not legal on the plains. Bears, 31 to negative 7. The Bears! Oh, when the Bears go bearing down...